Hi, this is Bob Sorrentino from ItalianGenealogy.blog, and I'm here today with Kathy Kirkpatrick from GenTracer.com, and good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Uh, so my first question is, Kirkpatrick's not an Italian name, so how and when did you get started uh, researching Italians? Well, my stepmother is Italian, and so my interest grew from that. I'm, and I've always loved Italy and looked for an excuse to go, so this was the perfect combination. Oh, that's great. So how long ago did you start? Oh, um, I started doing genealogy on the other branches of my family in the 80s. And well, really before that as a child, but my first publishing was in the 80s. And then I started working on the Italian in the 90s. So it's been a few years. Yeah. So going back to the 80s, it must have been tough back then to trace people and find records. Even in this country, I'm sure it was pretty hard. Yes, I did an awful lot of letter writing. The censuses were available on microfilm, and you could get those at most public libraries. So that was really the core of my research at that time, plus a gazillion letters for births and marriage and death records. And then I met a man through letters who had access to a university library that turned out to be very helpful. And he did some research for me there. So it's a combination of things. But yeah, it was a lot more time consuming than it is today. Yeah, I bet it was. I I started I started in earnest, I guess, um I guess it's about twelve years ago or something like that now, but you know, I had the advantages of, of the internet. So um, yes. I, I didn't have to leave the comfort of my office <laughs> <before> then. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, I, I know that we have a, uh, person in common that, uh, we do, we, we work with and, um, for those listening, Kathy and I found each other quite by accident as I did my cousin, Linda Sarandrea. So, uh, for, for, uh, everybody listening, how did you start working with Linda and then how did you finalized the connection to me. I have um, a large website that talks about Italian research and Italian records and has links to many Southern Italian cities, mostly Sicilian. And so Linda found me online and we started working together. And then in the course of doing Linda's work, I stumbled upon the things that you have online. And that's how that all happened. Right. And it was, uh, it was funny when I first got contacted from Linda. Uh, I got the email through Ancestry. And she said, I think we're researching the same person. Aha. Uh-huh. I wonder if we're, rela- we're related. Yes. And as soon as I saw the name, I knew right away. And I said, yes, we are. I said, you're... My uh, great-grandfather and your, I think it's her great-great-grandmother, you know, a brother and sister. And yes. She was like, are you sure? And I said, I'm positive. Yes. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm very skeptical, as I think most people should be. 
Yes, you have to be careful, especially when you're researching online, because there's stuff on there that just isn't real, and you have to be very careful in doing your research. But along those lines, when Linda first told me her family story and this great-grandmother who was a no, you know, had nobility and had a maid who brushed her hair and all this stuff, I thought, oh, sure, like that's real. And then I found your website and I thought, whoa, this really is real. And that was kind of fun, too, to have that correlation and, and all those combined people researching in the same direction that end up proving each other. Yeah. And, um, you know, Linda had said she did the DNA test with Ancestry and she was waiting for the results and I can't wait to get them. And then when yes. she got them, she called me and said, we're not a match. You're not showing as a match. And I said, well, let me look. So I looked on my end and, and it showed as a match. So I said, well, you show up on mine. So she had a call ancestry. I don't know what happened with them, but they hmm. missed her somehow. And and then eventually, you know, she 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 found out. But oh, good. Uh, I was lucky in a sense that I always had my great grandfather's. What I say is a calling card. Um, it's about yes. the size of an index card, with his name and and. Um, my uh, my mother always used to tell me that well he was a count or something like that and yeah um, unfortunately I you know I never asked my grandmother about it and uh, or really anybody else for that matter yeah um, but the most amazing thing about him was when I the very first record that I pulled up with him was an Angel Fire record that had the history um, or the lineage of the Cracciolo family yes and. I had no idea who they were, oh. and but I saw his name marrying Amelia Caracciolo. Yes, a, and um, my godmother was a, was Emily Amelia, uh -huh. uh, who was the oldest daughter from yes. my grandparents. So I called my cousin who lived with my grandmother. I said, "Do you ever hear this last name?" She goes, "Oh, of course, that's Nanny's mother." <laughs> course on that branch of the family but not on yours yeah um so so I said really I said well what do you know and she said well she she used to tell me stories that um her her uh cousin her cousin was the princess and that there was a priest in, uh, not a priest a saint in the family and an admiral so yeah. you know once I started doing all this kind of research it all started coming together but yes uh like I said, I'm always doubtful, so yes. I had to find the records, right? And eventually, and eventually, I did. Yes. Um, so for for people starting out, whether it's Italian or Irish or any other ancestry, um, besides going to an expert, which I eventually did did too to clarify some stuff, how would you advise them? The to same start? way that you started by talking to your family. By, by sharing what the stories that you were told and, and seeing if they can corroborate those stories or add more stories of their own, there is a ton of information just in families. And some families even have documents in their attics, like naturalization records. The census is easily available online, and that helps you to pinpoint a particular family because it shows all the kids. So you know it's the right family. 
in a certain place at a certain point in time, and that's the location that you go to to get the birth and marriage and death records that give you that the names of the parents and the grandparents that send you back in time and, and maybe back to another place in time. It's a step-by-step process. Right, yeah, and it, and as we all know, it, it builds yes. on itself. And when you when you get those, start getting those clues coming in, it, it, you know, for us who have the bug, it really it does. quite amazing. Yeah. So we were supposed to be in Italy yes. in April, uh, and unfortunately yes. that didn't happen. Uh, uh, we're hoping to go Good. now in October, but we had... We had a, a whole tour set up with somebody where we were going to, uh, she helps you find your roots, and we were going to Capricotta, where, uh, you know, the Duchess was from, and, and we were going to go down south to see some of the homes from the Piramalo family. But you, you, I believe you were there yes, with Linda, Linda right? and I did a, a, a visit around Pompeii and Naples and Sorrento, and that neighborhood and Scafati, which is one of your cousins married her Scafati line. And so that's where we were going with that. That's her Pergamo line in Scafati. Right, right. So what did you find in and around Naples that was interesting and or exciting for you and I think and the most exciting find was in the National Library in Naples. And it's a huge library. So we went into the Neapolitan collection, which is the collection for the city of Naples. And we went into the royalty and nobility genealogies. And we found the Piromalo in there. And, uh, and it showed all the family names the way we knew they were supposed to be. And it sent it back in time a little bit and showed the connections that go from Reggio Calabria to Messina, as well as to Naples. So it was, that I think was her biggest thrill. She's got a lot of pictures from that visit of the librarians in the library too. Yeah, I saw some, I saw some of them. And um, what's, what's interesting about that is that um, when I found the Caracciolo family, they lived on Via Carbonaro, um, right down from the church and the the hotel now that's named for them used to be yes. the palazzo going back uh, I don't know 1600 back to 1600 yes. or something like that um but what's interesting and maybe you you know why uh I think I know why uh, when I found the some of the birth and death records uh especially from my mm-hmm. great grandmother uh Everybody lived on the same street, right yes. next to each other. So the addresses were like twenty three and twenty eight and thirty yes. and thirty two. So was, if you know, was that common of, uh, with the nobility? With the nobility, yes, because for the most part, the nobility owns the block, and so and so, yes, you're not going to see it among regular folks because they can't afford that. And, and lots of times they're, they can't really afford their own homes. They're renting. But for nobility, it is common, yes. Yeah, that's what I figured. And, and the, the records are interesting because my mom's family is from Bari, and uh, 
you know, all the records there, uh, they show them being, you know, uh, right. farmers or seamstresses. Right. And, and on my, my grandmother's family, uh, one of the records actually said, uh, occupation. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and I tell people that and they're like, what? And I said, yeah, yeah. it's, it, it's yeah. a rich man. Uh, or, or, you know, a property yes. owner. And, um, right down from that block was, uh, where the Sorrentinos come from. And I couldn't, I could not find Sorrentinos. I knew that my great grandfather's first name had to be Achille because that was uh -huh. my mother's uncle. And I could not find any records. So eventually I, I hired somebody yes. over there, uh, to help me find it. And he came back with, a with a wealth Good. of information Good. And they lived on a side street from Via mm -hmm. Carbonara. And while they weren't nobility, they did have some status because uh, the, the records I found, they were uh, my grandfather, my great grandfather, Sorrentino, was yes. a lawyer. And uh, his father in law was yes. a lawyer. So I'm guessing that's how it all came about. Uh, and it refers to them as Don and Donna and things like that. But they still weren't. They still weren't the same station. No, as my it's about as high as you can go without being nobility, and it usually implies land ownership. That don and dona, um, but and to have lawyers and stuff in the family also is a serious sign of land ownership and, and a serious amount of money, but not nobility. And so you're lacking that social status that you get when you're noble. Right. And the, the history of my grandparents was that um, my grandfather was in the seminary yes. in Naples. And I'm trying to find where that, what that seminary, where it was, if it's still around. But he was in the seminary and um, my grandmother's carriage broke down in front of the seminary. And he was outside waiting to do something, go mm -hmm. someplace or whatever. And he helped repair mm -hmm. the carriage, and they drove him someplace. Yeah. And he left the seminary and married Well, my there you go. But that's also part of that really rich families. The boys either become, you know, huge landowners or attorneys, or they go into the priesthood. And those are the kinds of occupations that those high-ranking families go into. Right. And that's what's unusual about uh, our family is that the Duchess somehow got the title, which is highly yes, unusual. It is. There must not have been a male anywhere close to around, because even if all of her brothers had passed, it would have gone to a nephew. And it is unusual that it went to her instead. Yeah. Right. And she made me nuts because... She changed the name. She, well, actually, she merged the two family oh. names. So she originally, of course, all the children would be right. pure Malo because that was that was, you know, my my third great grandfather's name right. was Pure Malo. So all of his children right. would be Pure Malo. When she when she got the title, she added her surname to it. Yes. And that also is something that you'll see in families of nobility. As we tracked your Piramalo family back in time, there were a couple junctions where you could see that they had added the name of the wife. 
And lots of times that happens because the wife is a slightly higher social status and she is reluctant to give up her name. And so that double name continues on for a while. Oh, so that so that mm-hmm. explains it. I, I, I knew that had yeah, to be a reason. And it's historic. She's not being rogue doing that. She's following a tradition. Right. So so she wanted her eldest son to have right. both family names so that he would have the higher status than just having right. the one. Exactly. Name. That's very interesting. Well, that's what was making me nuts <laughs> because I saw the Piromalo Capici Picicelli yes. and I'm like Okay, everything makes sense here, but why are they different names? And why aren't I seeing uh, not only my uh, great-grandparents underneath it, but also when I found my cousins in Italy, they weren't there either. Yeah. And the only ones that are on the records today are the uh, ancestors of the the eldest son that got the right. Right. So you can see that Capece Picicelli going way back, way back, which is also a double name, which came from a a way back union of the Capece and the Picicelli families. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your services, what you do. I know you have a a website. Uh, I know that you help people do research. So maybe we could talk a little bit about People who are stuck, yeah. have a roadblock, just don't want to do it themselves, how you could help them find their ancestors. Um, we, we help people in a lot of different situations. There are people who are, who are just starting out and aren't even sure what the ancestral town was. And that's a particular kind of a problem that does require some expertise. And so we do work with those kinds of issues. And then there are people who've done the easy research in the U.S., and now they're going to go into Italian records and they say, wait, I'm not sure I know enough of the language or the handwriting looks horrible because I tried to go in and read them and it's just hen scratching. And so we take on those kinds of problems, too, because an awful lot of Italian records are available on microfilm or digital and and we can do a lot of things that way, but there are some gaps. And so there are other people who've done some really good research, but then they've reached a point where there's a gap in the records that they have access to and they need something else. And so that's when we know which rocks to look under. We know how to get into the military records or how to get into the notarial records or other things like that. And we also provide on-site research, like that trip that I took with Linda. And usually when I do trips, I don't meet with clients. And so I have this list of places to go and things to do. And it's for usually about seven or eight clients. And we cover, you know, big chunks of Italy going into eight or 10 little towns. And that way we can pick up records that are maybe in the gaps on the microfilm or maybe records that are more recent than 1865 and those microfilms aren't available. Or maybe something they need for citizenship, which is frequently a a document right around 1900, which for one reason or another, 
the town isn't answering the requests and it has to be an official letter from the town to take to the consulate to get your dual citizenship. So we provide those kinds of services as well. We'll be right back. Italian Roots and Genealogy is proudly sponsored by Your Dolce Vita and Dawn Matera, connecting people to their purpose in life and continuing their legacy. For more information, contact Dawn at www.yourdolcevita.com. Well, that's good to know because a lot of people ask about that and how they can um, how they could find their ancestors uh, to get the citizenship. And I and I know it's it's tough. I had a friend who uh, just recently got yeah. her citizenship last year and moved to Italy and. Um, she said she went to the consulate and there was a discrepancy of like two weeks from the birth of her uh, yeah. grandfather. And, and they told her, sorry, you yeah. have to come back. You have to, you have to straighten this out. So, which I suppose is a good thing. It's nice to being careful. Sometimes it does seem like they're being a little nitpicky. Yeah. Uh, now I also think, I, th- I think you also have some um, video things on YouTube and, and, um, Thing. So what are what are those about and what are those what would people see if they went there? Um, the easiest way to access them is off my website. I, I don't know that they're really on YouTube. I didn't put them on YouTube. If they got there, it wasn't through me. It, there were some that were done through um, Facebook. And so they were you can get to them from my p- Facebook page. But I also I just picked them up and put them on my dot um, com and, and dot org pages so you can find them. So there's a variety of topics. One, of course, is the basic doing Italian research at home and in Italy. And um, then there's some subsets under that because I do a lot of Jewish research in Italy, which is kind of a, a topic not a lot of people address. And, and back to Um, the Inquisition, you're not going to see a difference in the records because they had to be Catholic. And so even though they're really Jewish by heritage, their records are in the Catholic Church. And and then later in the civil records, when the civil records start about um, 1820 in Sicily and 1809 in southern Italy, and um, much later in Northern Italy, because a lot of Northern Italy um, had been invaded by Napoleon. And so when he pulled out in 1814, they said, oh, no, we're not going to do civil records anymore. And it wasn't until Italy was unified in 1871 and in some places, 66, depending on the location. But at that point, they reinstated civil registration and you can get those records. So there's kind of a, it's not consistent throughout Italy because Italy is a whole big place that used to be a whole bunch of different kingdoms. And so for a long time, they each had their different rules. So that's part of it. We were talking about videos. Military, I do um, military research too in primarily World War II, but other things. And I visited a lot of military cemeteries primarily in Italy, but also across Europe. And 
off the top of my head, I can't think what else, but there's like eight different topics. <laughs> and so if you go on to gentracer.com, um, you'll see the, the webpage with the videos on it and it'll show all the different titles and you can pick and choose. Um, yeah, I think, was it you that had the one about the uh, enemy alien? Yes. Yes, that's one of my topics. Yeah. During World War II, well, during World War I, we rounded up enemy aliens. They were primarily Germans. Um, during World War II, we rounded up enemy aliens, and everyone knows about the Japanese enemy aliens, but a lot of people are not aware that Germans and Italians were also rounded up as enemy aliens and put in camps, although the far greater number of Germans and Italians were simply restricted from the coast. And so in California, it meant a lot of them had to move. Um, in, on the East Coast, there was more of a, a travel restriction than actually moving, but some of that did happen too. And yes, it affected all of those different populations during World War II, and there was certainly a stigma attached that it, it's taken a long time to get past. Yeah, I still have, um, I have my, my mom's uh, mother and father uh, I have, you know, their cards. Yes, that registration was mandatory. That was that was for everybody. Even if your family didn't get displaced because of it, you had to register. And there's, you know, you know that people are watching you. And what about now? So, I mean, I know my, at the end of the war, my grandparents had uh, five sons yes. in the war. And um, if you were, was that only if you were not a citizen or not naturalized? I'm assuming if you were born here in Italian, it didn't matter? No, you weren't okay. If you're born in Italy, you had to register as an enemy alien, even if you were a U.S. citizen. If you married an American, if you married, if you were an American who married a man who was born in Italy, a female who married a male who was born in Italy, you also had to register as, as an enemy alien because at the time you could only have one nationality and you had to have the nationality of your husband. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a messy situation. It, an awful lot of difficult times. The boys who were born in America, um, were born American citizens. And so they didn't have to do the alien registration thing. And a, a large, extraordinarily large number of them did serve in the military. And a surprising number of them did serve um, in the liberation of Italy toward the end of the war. And I have some wonderful photos that I got from another client of her cousins who were GIs who had been in the battle at Anzio, where they stormed the beachhead at Anzio and pushed toward Rome. After Anzio is over, Anzio is really messy and there are a lot of cemeteries in the area to prove it. These boys were given permission by the US Army to go inland to visit their Italian cousins. And they're very closely related because these boys are the sons of immigrants. So they go inland, uh, these boys were from Potenza, and so they visited their cousins in Potenza. The striking thing about these photos is that even though these GIs are the sons of immigrants, so you know they were poor, they didn't have good 
nutrition or anything, they are still a head taller than their Italian cousins. Because the immigrants in America had it bad, the guys who were left home in Italy had it worse. And so it's a really striking contrast, but it's also wonderful to see the obvious affection that they have for each other, even though technically they've been fighting each other up to this point in the war. Yeah, I, my, none of my uncles, um, none of my uncles made it to uh, Europe. Uh, one of my uncles was uh, he uh, was blind in one eye, and when he took the test to go into the army, they told him to switch, and he switched hands instead of switching eyes. That's determination. Yeah. And then they found out that, and they said, "Well, you won't go overseas," but in the end. Because he spoke fluent Italian, they sent him to guard Italian prisoners uh -huh. in North Africa. Yes. So, so that was the closest he got. But interesting story about my mom's family is that my oldest uncle uh, remained in Italy when he was about two or three years old when my yes. grandparents came uh, to stay with his right. great-grandparents. His grandparents, oh, oh, yeah. My great-grandparents, yeah. his grandparents, right. And... Uh, I heard two stories. One was that he was, they were going to send for him later. And the other story I heard was that um, they plan to go and back. And they're probably both true. Yeah. Both stories are probably true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and they left because my grandfather had already served yeah. in Libya uh, in the army. And my grandmother said, you're not going to serve. You're not going to leave again and yes. go into another war. Um so my uncle, when he wanted to eventually come on his own, he was too old and had to serve in the yes. Italian military. And then he raised a family. So all of my cousins were born in Italy from my yes. oldest uncle. And that's so common that these families, most Italians when they came to America didn't plan to stay. They were going to make their fortune and go home to Italy again. But it didn't work out. And the ones who are really caught in the middle were the ones who came over around 1900. And then they went home again about 1910 or 12. And then they got caught up in World War I. And after World War I, they came back to America and they said, that's it. We're done. We're not going back to Italy. We're not going to get caught in another war. Because even though military service is mandatory for all males when they're about 20, if there's a war, they get called early. If there's a war, they get called for a second time. It's because it is a mandatory military service and the records are so good, they can keep track of you. So that was one of Mussolini's campaign slogans thing when he was coming into power was, if you return to Italy, we will forgive the fact that you didn't show up for military service during World War I. We provide you amnesty. Come home and help us build the empire. And that was a big selling point for a lot of people. And you can see how it happened now when you know the whole story. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, we had a... I, I last year I found out that my um, cousin, the youngest son of my uncle, had interviewed my uncle in Bares, uh before he passed away. And oh, good! And I didn't know about it. And I said, Joey, you have to 
translate this? And he said, you know, I tried once and I, I couldn't do it. I, I just got all choked up. And uh, yeah. I said, but I said, you have to, though. I said, for your nieces and nephews and their children. I said, this is a part of history that we yeah. can't have this just get lost because it's in Bares and nobody's ever going to know about it. So uh, he eventually sat down with his sister and they went through it and they didn't translate it word for word, but it, but you got the drift yeah. of what life was like Good. in Torito yes. in the, in the, you know, twenties and thirties and during the war and, and yes. all of that. So yeah, it was very difficult. Uh, yeah. Quite an interesting piece. And then just last week, um, well, I found two interesting things last week, right back to back. And I always say these things don't happen accidentally. Somebody, no. somebody pushes these things out there. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I got an envelope in the mail from my cousin, my female cousin, who helped my other cousin translate it, um, uh-huh. with just a whole bunch of pictures in it. <gasps> and, Wonderful. And I, you know, I called her up and I said, I got your packet. She said, I've been going through all my stuff and I, I don't know how to do this stuff, but I know you'll share it with everybody. So that was one great oh, thing. Uh, and then um, over Memorial Day weekend, I think it was, or maybe the week before that, Ancestry was gave you newspaper, uh, newspaper.com for free for a few days. And oh, nice. Uh, I know you know, you probably saw the one from Linda, one of the ones that we connected on where it uh, showed the uh, death of my um, somebody over in Italy. I don't remember who it was. And yeah, that little and you found it really early. That yeah. little snippet. Well, yeah. I went on there and I started searching around and I found that New Jersey courier because they lived in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. And I must have found uh-huh. 25 or 30 <gasps> articles. Wonderful. I sent them all to Linda. And um, some of it's the funniest stuff, Kathy. I, <laughs> it must have been... It must have been like Mayberry RFD back then in Scotch. Oh, no. Because they had things like uh, my father's sister, uh, Julia Sorrentino, motored to Brooklyn over the, for, for two weeks uh, to spend time with relatives. Uh, they had uh, uh, a couple of birthday celebrations, one for my, my, my same aunt, Julia, uh, party, uh-huh. party given by her sister, um, yeah. Then um, there was the obituary for my great grandmother, Sorrentino grandmother. Uh, and what's interesting about that is that it mentioned that she was uh, Marquesa Julia uh, Princey, um, and she was the she she was the um, the the wife of the late. Achille Sorrentino, who was a Supreme Court justice in Naples. And it has... I didn't know that. No, and it has him listed as a marquee. So I don't know if they somehow bought a title somewhere along the line or because he was a Supreme Court justice, he got some sort of title, but that's what it says in this little snippet, you know. How fun. Uh, so I asked one of my... Cont- I mentioned it to, to Letizia, who's doing the Italy rooting for me, and she said she's going to try and uh-huh. find out about this... Um, Supreme Court justice thing. Uh, yes. So that was that was one of the, the big finds. But like I said, it was just so funny with all these little um, snippets of, of stuff. And um, yes. also the, 
the uh, my my uncle Achille, my father's older brother, um, uh-huh. they had there was an ad for one of his businesses from nineteen oh, twenty seven or something like that. So uh, yes, it was, it was really really pretty neat to find that kind of stuff. Um, it is those little town newspapers tell you who visited who and who had luncheon with who, which it it just gives you a whole picture of how the whole community is and and which families are are talking to each other and visiting each other and which aren't which is really interesting uh yeah and it's i mean it was like really surreal to you, you almost i almost felt like it was going back in time to that you know 100 years ago yes yes you do things. feel like you're part of it well this has been wonderful i really really appreciate the time and um, looking forward to uh, connecting again and maybe finding some more things with Linda. Thank you, Bob. I really enjoyed sharing some of these stories and, and hearing more of what you've been able to find. Thank you again. All right, thanks. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook in the Italian Genealogy Group or at www.italiangenealogy.blog.